0: Hopefully. to who knew yeah
1: hopefully as in hopefully welcome back not hopefully this is who knew this is definitely who knew
0: <laughs> it is definitely who knew hopefully you came back and if you didn't come back sorry we tried our best <laughs> and you're not listening to this anyway so right fuck you oh, <laughs> i'm took kidding a real,
1: <laughs> took a real turn didn't it? i'm only a little offended
0: so, <laughs> sorry for the harshness at the beginning of the episode
1: uh how was your week
0: good i think I don't know.
1: We did a lot this weekend.
0: Yeah, we did a lot. We this weekend. Got another tattoo. Yeah,
1: it's pretty badass.
0: It looks so good.
1: You always go on like recording days. You yeah, know but that is it's weird. The last I think couple weeks.
0: I've been doing them on Tuesdays. Yeah, I feel like I've gotten a tattoo like each week.
1: Yeah, I think you. I think I've gotten have.
0: three this month. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Miranda.
1: <laughs> um, what else? We're painting. In painting the bedroom. Sammy is panicked because the first coat of white over gray is definitely a first coat.
0: It's so bad. You can see (laughs) I was telling him like you can see every like stroke that I did. Oh my god, it's so bad. (laughs) I don't I've never painted before I got into this relationship with Jack, so I don't know anything about (laughs) She was like
1: panicked, panicked. I'm like, this is totally normal. Are you
0: sure? I was like five coats later. (laughs) Maybe two. Definitely two. Maybe, Maybe three. three.
1: I don't think we'll need three.
0: I think we'll need three.
1: It's bare marquee. I don't think we'll need three. Okay. Um, Do you have anything for the podcast or no? Do you want to just pop right in? I don't. Okay.
0: Do you? How was your week? That was good. Let's talk about you.
1: It was good. I had last week off and uh, it was super nice having the time to chill. Yeah. So. I bet. Yep, it, was a, it was a good time. So. Good that's all i got cool cool
0: let's get into it
1: sick okay i'm telling a story that i believe to be pretty much true
0: Oh my. Okay. it was very
1: hard to find sources on it um and a lot of them were in like poker and chess forums and then obviously the we we watched an episode of uh, mysteries at the museum about this so that yeah. is probably the most prominent source and most uh valid source yeah uh but i'm excited are you ready i'm ready sammy bummed me out earlier because <laughs> I, I was doing research on this and i watched this episode of mysteries at the museum today and i'm like fuck yeah i'm talking about that so i really quick did research i didn't realize that she had watched it like that like last night or the night before
0: it was last night
1: and i did not i had no idea and so I'm, I am started telling her, like, oh, I'm telling you this really cool story about the Titanic, but it's, like, not murder. <laughs> She's like, oh, is it about the, the scam that happened on the Titanic? The gamblers. Yeah. It is.
0: So there, It was, like, the longest <laughs> silence I think I've ever had on a phone call with you. I thought, like, I lost connection. I was like, hello? <laughs> and then you were like, yeah.
1: <laughs> God damn it.
0: Yeah. I, I told you, though, I was reading a book. I was in bed. And the the TV automatic shut off like in the middle of it, so I don't really know it all.
1: Okay, well, this is the story of one of the biggest uh, gambling scams of all time that happened on board the Titanic
0: <laughs> of all time.
1: Yes. What?
0: How Bananas. have we never heard of this?
1: I know, right? That's so funny. Yeah. Um. So it happened the night before the ship hit the iceberg, and is this the...
0: like the inspiration of Jack winning his tickets?
1: I don't. I don't think so.
0: Kind of like. James Cameron's little nod to the gambling scam? I, I don't think so. Okay, anyways. Uh,
1: the couple who pulled it off went down with the vessel, but before they that happened, um, they, they told, like, one or two people who ended up living and, and relayed the story afterwards. So, um, we know that the Titanic had people from all different classes, right? You had the super-duper wealthy elite, very famous people, down to people living with rats. Yeah. yeah. Um, and among those passengers was, uh, who's now pretty well known as a very good, uh, con artist from England. His name was Pierce Mason, and he was pretty handsome, he was charming, and he pulled off cons very well. Uh-huh. He was traveling with his, I don't know if it's girlfriend or fiance. Partner. Partner. Uh, her name was Isabel, and she was in on these cons as well, uh, the two of them together were again very, very, very uh, successful uh, prior to Titanic. So <laughs> um, he was pretty aware of the like the very elite wealthy people that were going to be on the ship. and he knew that one of the big um, activities that you could do was p- like playing poker, um, different gambling mo- but mostly poker. that was like the big game back then. Um, and so he, before he got tickets, he knew that there was going to be this big roster and he was like, man, this is a good way that I can make some good cash and go see America. So that'd be cool. Um, so he's like, I cannot miss this, uh, ship. So he did everything he could, begged, borrowed, stole every single penny of front money that he could, got a, uh, ticket. Third class? I, I don't know. Okay. Um, but he got a ticket and uh, came with quite a bit of cash on him to kind of help him in his gambling mm-hmm. uh, adventures. He, um, His first idea was to just slip in a marked deck of cards just into play, and he had done that previously with pretty good success. So he was like, I'll just do that again and just play with all these rich people, and it'll just be a bigger pot of money that I can win. But um, he knew that back back then, and even right now, obviously, um, people who are rich are generally very smart, too. So he was really worried that they were going to catch on. Everybody's going to talk to his friends, and then they're not even going to let him play with them anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> Isabel and Mason were in their stateroom uh, dressing into the traditional formal evening attire so obviously not third class so they're getting ready and he's like last minute i think we got to do something else and she's like what well, the fuck are we gonna do like
0: yeah this is
1: what we plan and he's like i don't know i'll figure it out when when i get there so
0: that's such a dude thing to do yeah
1: so he's sitting at the poker table at this point he's lost uh 10 pounds he had 50 he came on with 50 oh my he's goodness. lost 10 so he's got 40 left
0: what? Um he begged people. <laughs> he's like, "Give me just like $1,000." And he
1: ends up with fifty eight grand. What the I, fuck? Yeah, man, I don't know. So he he lost 10,000 pounds the first night at this poker table.
0: That's the first night? Mhm. That's not a good. <laughs> and
1: he he's bummed about that, obviously, but he hears that um there are these two chess players, like world-class chess players on the ship, too. Of um they're like grandmasters on their way to this really big chess tournament in New York. One was a Russian guy, the other one was a German guy. Both of them have been invited to take part in the poker games, but they were like, "Nah, we're pretty busy getting ready for this tournament. We're gonna be studying our chess strategies, and we're not gonna we're not gonna just go play what kind poker of all night."
0: Strategies come with chess.
1: I don't know. Um. So he. Mason has like kind of become buddy buddy with some of the guys in, at the table. Um, and he makes a statement to them that surprised them. Uh, he says, You know, I think my fiance could play and uh play chess and hold her own with either of them. And they're like, <laughs> First off, women don't play chess, second off, First these off, are the best ones in the world.
0: Yeah, women are too dumb to play chess,
1: right? That's probably exactly what they thought. So Um, none of them could believe what he was saying. They were like, yeah, okay. Uh, but finally one of them asked to clarify what, what he meant by that. And he repeated it. And another one of the players says like, you think your fiance can play chess with Borzov and Heilman? That's their names. Uh, Borzov was the Russian, Heilman was the German. And he says, yeah, I'm sure of it. Um, just total like walks in with the biggest balls on deck with this statement um <laughs> knowing that Isabel had never touched a chess piece in her life.
0: Yeah, obviously.
1: So again, everybody's kind of laughing at what he's saying, c- kind of trying to call him out and uh one of them says to him, uh do you want to do a wager on that? Do you want to make a bet? Oh, um and no. he's like I'm sure I could convince uh Borzav and Avnoham to accept an invitation for to to play it's going to be quick so I don't think it'll cut into their strategy time oh at all Oh
0: my god
1: and Mason says you know what I'll I'll tell you what I'll have my fiance play both of them I'll only the stake the 40,000 pounds that I have left um I'll put that on that she either gets a stalemate with at least one of them and uh th- that was the bet basically that she's either going to win or she's going to cause one of them to call a stalemate Again, everybody's laughing like, yeah, bullshit. One of them asks, so, all right, uh, which of the two would your fiancé play first? And he looks around the table and uh, he says, how about both at the same time?
0: That's, oh, I just said that.
1: And so, again, everybody's like, this is fucking ridiculous. That um, sounds
0: ridiculous. I would be right there <laughs> with those rich white dudes.
1: Yeah, so they think he is nuts. Uh, but the last thing that they thought was that he was playing them. Uh, A few more rounds of everybody just basically making fun of him, laughing at him. A wealthy, retired British admiral uh, tells everybody to hush up, stands up, faces Mason, and says, I think you're nuts. Um, Do you really want to wager 40 grand so that your fiance can earn a stalemate? (sighs) Or do you want to wager 40 grand that your fiance can earn a stalemate against two of the greatest grandmaster chess players in the world? He's Mason stands up. He says, "Yep." <laughs> Admiral's eyes look at everybody around. Look at him, and he he says, uh, "Do you mind if I ask how much money you brought along?" And he says, uh, "My whole life savings." Bullshit. And after everybody, life savings everybody was from stealing from people. Right. Everybody was shocked when he said that because he was more poor than they all They're were. Right. They're like, uh we wipe our butts with fifty thousand dollars." He says. Yeah, 50 grand, that's all I have. And the admiral says, and you're you're going to wager all of that. And um, he says, yeah. Um, and everybody's just shocked about it. So this admiral says, If there's one thing that I admire. Um,
0: it's big balls. It's
1: big brass balls. Is that what he says? <laughs> Specific, yes, <Yeah, it's> verbatim. <laughs> um, and you seem to have those, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, um, I'm going to arrange simultaneous matches between your fiance and both chess masters. And if she gets a stalemate with either one of them, I will give you 100,000 pounds. You don't need to put up one penny of your own money. You won't be out anything if she loses. And he's trying to calm on his bluff, basically. Right. And uh, so, like, why what the fuck? Why not? Like. hundred
0: thousand pounds yeah he says
1: i'll just give that to you if she's able to do this can you imagine being so rich that you can just play with that money with probably getting nothing in return at all
0: he's probably so confident though that he wouldn't lose it yeah god that's crazy
1: yeah so pierce says and he clarifies if she loses both matches i don't owe you anything he says nope I'd expect you to buy us all a glass of champagne that night, uh, but that—that's it. You're not gonna owe us any of your life savings. He's like, "All right." So, they organize this match. Uh, naturally, Borzov and Howman, who both had very big egos, which I guess is a thing with chess players, um, they're like, "Sure." Um this
0: is a thing with chess players.
1: They're—they're they're a little bit peeved that they're being asked to play with some unknown woman. Oh, God fucking forbid. woman. But when the admiral asked them, he promised to um, basically pay pay them. to.
0: Yeah, I was like, is he also going to give them 100,000 pounds? He's going to give him a little
1: bit bit of money. Um, And at this point, he's doing it just for his own entertainment on this ship until they get there. (laughs) Oh,
0: my um, God. Could you imagine being so bored and so rich? No. You're just paying people to entertain you?
1: No. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, I can't. So it's dinner, the evening of the match. Uh, The atmosphere around was pretty... um, Tense? People were excited to watch this because it's very entertaining, I guess. Um, And it was weird because she's going to be playing these two people at the same time. It was just weird, right? Um, Nobody was taking the match seriously with the exception of Mason, but pretty much everybody was just extremely curious to see... Who this woman was and if she was going to pull it off or not. So um, the tables get set up in the ship's grand ballroom and Mason asked that they put a big partition between the two. Um, okay. So that that was agreed upon. And then the other agreement was that um, there would be one minute intervals. Um, that was the max time that you had between moves. So you had one minute to figure out what you were going to a
0: do. A minute? That's yeah. not a lot. Especially yep. when she's playing two people?
1: Yep. Uh, Mason also asked that spectators were not seated in a place where they could watch both matches at the same time. He wanted them to be able to only watch one at okay. a time. So they just sat them far enough away that in, in a in a way that that was possible. So um, he said that uh he wanted this to be the case uh because he thought that isabelle's concentration would be thrown if people were watching and commenting on her play in the two different matches
0: uh, so
1: that gets agreed upon uh the grandmasters didn't see any reason to object that um they did think it was a little weird but whatever um so they set everything up um isabelle makes her grand entrance wearing this exquisite white evening gown perfectly tailored everybody's like damn she's hot um (laughs) and they're like how can this hot chick also be smart
0: yeah at (laughs) least if this dumb broad loses we got something good to look at
1: that's probably exactly what people were saying (laughs) so Worth noting that at this point, literally women didn't play chess. There had been not a significant contribution to the chess world made by a woman at this time. And the two chess players were uh, arrogant enough to say that uh, that would never happen. Women would never contribute to chess. I
0: mean, I, I think I know what like three pieces do. Okay. I used to play a lot as a kid and I just forgot it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't Anyways. know what the status of the like professional chess world today is.
0: So. I'm sure it's probably like the cup stacking championships.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a very niche group. That was group. pretty hot for a minute. In it was like very fifth hot. Grade PE yeah. Class. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. The match with Borzov started first. Uh, he was playing on the white side, and the white side goes first. Right. So generally, the white side has the advantage because they're making the first moves, and black is always kind of on the defensive. Um, so Borzov uh, advances one of the, one of his paw, pawns, and Isabel studies the board with it. She makes it look like she's like very practiced and very calculating. She stands up, goes over to the other side because she's playing... Uh, the white side against heilman so she makes her opening move against heilman waits for heilman's counter move and goes back over to Borzov. she didn't sit down the whole entire game she just walks back and forth table to table never coming close to the one minute limit on the clock what after 10 minutes it seemed to everybody on both sides uh that Isabel was holding her own and was not gonna be some kind of quick win or quick loss pushover. Yeah, and after that ten was, minutes. Right. Um everybody I would have guessed was, that after two. Oh, well, everybody was like shocked about it. The only person that didn't look amazed, uh, was Pierce Mason. Um and he was also the only spectator aboard the entire Titanic who knew um that she had never even seen a chessboard prior.
0: <laughs> I think I know how they did it.
1: Okay. Well hold on. Okay. 30 minutes into the matches, Heilman starts getting pretty fucking stressed. Um, people could see sweat on his head, and he's just, like, really stressing out. Yeah. Um, he couldn't figure out, like... He's like, I'm top, top-tier top chess player. Not being able to, like, win against some unknown person in general yeah. was bad enough. And then not being able to win out over a woman...
0: It was even worse. ...was
1: pretty bad for his weak-ass ego. So, the Admiral... Although he seemed pretty amused by the idea of shelling out a barrel of cash, uh, seemed to also be very surprised, a little bit concerned. Um,
0: I bet a lot of fucking money.
1: Right after an hour, the Russian was also stressing. It's an been an hour? hour. Yeah, it's been an hour. So, um, and he was ultra stressed because, like I said, he was playing the white side, which gave him the advantage against any player in the world, um, even people who might be a little bit better than him, he still has an advantage because he's making the first move. Nearing the end, both Grandmasters knew they were deadlocked. Oh my god. And, uh... Both of them? And they were That's super hilarious. stressed. Um, the Russian playing white still knew that he couldn't lose, he couldn't fucking lose, so he was like, I'm not gonna accept a stalemate. Uh, however, the German, in the most humbling moment of his life, supposedly, offered Isabel a draw. None of the three chess players survived the catastrophic sinking of the Titanic. Oh, dang! Um, and Pierce Mason didn't either. He ended up freezing to death, clinging onto the raft in uh, to like a raft that he found uh, in the waters. But he he froze. Uh, only a stowaway that Mason made friends with, like a child, um, knew what had happened. Okay. And this kid survived because he was a kid. Told everybody as soon as they got on the Carpathia, he was like, "You will not believe what happened this night."
0: He's like, "Guess who died?" And I get to tell their tale.
1: Literally. <laughs> um. So, your w- what's your guess?
0: My guess is that they had like their strategy put down on paper, and they had found those papers, and she memorized them.
1: Okay. Do you want Do you want to know what really happened?
0: Oh, so that's not true. That okay. Is
1: incorrect well, well <laughs> that good was a, tries. That was Amy. a good guess though. <laughs> no, that was a really good guess. So there were three things that made uh this scam work. One, having Isabel play white against one opponent opponent and black against the other, uh, having whichever opponent playing white make his move before she opened with her white move. Basically, uh that gave a sufficient interval between moves and in that way she was able to get up go to between the two tables for a for the full minute before having to make a move so she had like a lot of time basically um but she never really needed that full minute all she did was take each move that borzov made against her copy it on the other chessboard against heilman oh so when heilman would counter (gasps) she would take his counter move copy it on the chessboard between her and Borzoff. That's
0: genius! So
1: basically, Borzoff and Hauman were playing we're each against other. each other. Mm-hmm. To further enhance that, uh, Mason came up with the idea to not allow uh, people to watch both matches so nobody could know. figure it out. Uh-huh. And uh, that's how they won $100,000 and then died. <laughs>
0: that's really fucking that's smart really
1: fucking smart
0: these con artists man they could change the world if I they know. wanted to i know that's smart that's
1: the story of the great
0: i'm very chess impressed con, chess I...
1: scam that's crazy on the titanic
0: i hope we never heard of that i know
1: it's bananas
0: that's so crazy pretty cool though no that's really cool
1: so that's what i got for you thank you questions comments concerns
0: no i don't <laughs> think so i think i'm very impressed
1: I'm glad that you didn't watch the whole episode.
0: <laughs> okay. I have a story for you that um I I titled my paper Hunt a Killer. Anyways, get it? Because it's a game. It is. Yeah. yeah. You'll see. I don't know um, what your story. Is, so <laughs> I don't know the I told joke you about yet. it a while ago. Yeah. I found this story through school in my victimology class because we had to study the victim and determine is this situation victim blaming xyz why why not like a whole bunch of shit okay and i thought it was really interesting because you'll see you'll see you'll see well we can have a discussion about it if you want love it but this is the death of karen Ann wood She was 37 years old and a mother of two baby girls that were twins. Their names were Laura and Lindsay. They had just turned a year old.
1: Oh, good lord. I know.
0: She was married to Dr. Kevin Wood, and they had been married for 13 years. They were basically high school sweethearts. They fell in love, got married in Binghamton, New York. Cool. It's the weirdest name. But cool, bing. Anyways, uh, eventually they moved to Iowa, and then they moved to Herman, Maine, which is where the story takes place. Which I, I would think love
1: to live in Maine.
0: Yes, one thousand percent. Let's mm-hmm. just move to Maine. Fuck okay. everything here. All right. Um, the fun this it, like a fun little tie-in to Stephen King because uh, Kevin worked like ten fifteen minutes away from his job in Bangor, Maine, which is oh. where Stephen King like yeah. lived, I yeah. think, or lives. Yeah. Um. He, he, he
1: that like creepy house he had is there right is that
0: where it is i, I can't so. i know he talks about bangor all the time mm-hmm. in his books mm-hmm. it's like everything has to do with bangor
1: that bangor and dairy and look.
0: yeah um so he worked at the eastern Maine medical center there and so that was super close to herman but herman was like this super small town like very um i don't want to say podunk okay but it seemed kind of uh, just a little podunk (laughs) i think it's like nicer because he was a doctor so it was probably like a nicer house like a little isolated but also like it's maine i don't really know what maine's about but i feel like based off this story it might just be a little podunk so
1: (laughs) i don't think so
0: i don't know i'm sorry people (laughs) that live in herman maine uh so uh kevin had just started working there in july and he worked with children that had psychiatric problems so kind of a very specialized niche that he fits into, right. but he says he loved it there. He called it the perfect job for him. Okay. So that's cool. Um, I also want to just preface this with, I got like 99% of my information from one article that was really well done. Um, it's called the newengland.com um, and they like interview Kevin a whole bunch and I'll get into that later. That's literally where I got most of this. So cool. Cool. Anyways, um, so on November 15th, 1988, after 3 p.m., just a little bit after 3 p.m., kind of the worst thing imaginable happened to Kevin. He was working, trying to save the life of a suicidal girl who had come in. Um, he's, like, analyzing her. She wasn't, like, attempting suicide. It was just, like, a suicide threat. Like, she didn't have means. Mm-hmm. She didn't have, like, anything besides, like, saying, like, I want to die or whatever the situation was. Um And it was at that time that he was dealing with this girl that his wife, Karen, was killed. Okay. Sad. Yes. Um, Karen... At the house, while Kevin's dealing with this little girl, she had, for unknown reasons, decided to put the twin girls in the baby gates and went out into the backyard. She put on her dark blue jacket and a pair of white mittens and ventured through the half-acre clearing and scattered woods on the edge of their property. Mm-hmm. She went down the back steps through the fenced-in dog area kennel, mm-hmm. and it that extended about 100 feet beyond the deck. So it's a very spacious backyard. Right. Um, about 63 yards away was a man named Donald Rogerson. Donald is a hunter. Oh, a well-known no. hunter in the small area and had been through some Bangor uh, sporting circles. There we go. So he was really big in the hunting ring. And I'm hunting not sure, ring? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a... Never mind.
1: Like a crime ring? <laughs> it's not. It's a sport.
0: <laughs> the hunting sport. Oh, ah, Sorry. Community? Just take that out. Hunting community? The hunting lifestyle. <sighs> Anyways. Okay. <laughs> so this is November 15th. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but November is peak deer hunting season yep. in Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, so Donald spots white and tan, something that he thinks resembles the underside of a doe's tail. He raises his .30-06 deer rifle with a four-power sight Aimed, and as I'm sure you can guess where this is going, he fired a shot. As an experienced hunter, he decided to try to get one more shot in, so he lowers his gun, pumps another round, aims, and pulls the trigger once again, all within seconds. Across the street is a woman named Cheryl Hamlin who was relaxing at home when she heard two concurrent shots and instantly knew something was wrong because the shots were way too close to their house. And then she heard a woman yell, Help me, help me, dear God, please help me. Instinctively, Cheryl grabs her phone and calls the sheriff's office because she knows not to go out there if somebody's just firing off shots. Um, as she did, she looked out her window to see where the noise of the yelling was coming from. And then she saw a man in orange hunting attire come out of the woods and started banging on the woods door. So their last name is Wood. Oh, It's kind of a weird thing. He came out of the forest and <laughs> went we and knocked on the family home. Right. Um, as this is unfolding, let's go back to Kevin, who is finishing up the suicidal girl who he releases like very reluctantly. Um, Eventually, he gets, he goes back to his office, and there's a call waiting for him from the ER. He thought it was about the little girl, so he answers it, like expecting to hear something about that. Instead, it was a man from the sheriff's office who said that his son had been shot. And Kevin's very confused because he's like, "I don't, I don't have a son. There's no way this could be me that you're calling for because I, like, I don't have a son. Why would I have a sh- son that's shot?" Mm-hmm. But the, sh- the deputy insisted, like, "You just have to come here. Just come to your house." you'll we'll figure it out um i know it's kind of weird i don't understand how i would
1: call if i didn't know what the fuck was going on
0: (laughs) yeah i know it's like somewhere the Mm. wires got crossed yeah it's very odd so kevin is like under a different kind of like mindset going here he's probably just like fuck i'm wasting my time Mm -hmm. where i could be like taking care of suicidal people i don't know and as he's driving to his house which again it's only 10 to 15 minutes away so it's not that big of a drive uh, he's listening to his car radio when he hears on the news that a hunter had been shot in herman which is weird because it's a very small town mm-hmm. so he's like what does any of this have to do with me so he gets even more confused and he's
1: like also i'm the doctor what <laughs>
0: <laughs> right <laughs> i don't know but when he pulls up to his house it is filled with cops TV trucks, news reporters, game wardens, and it's all taped off. Oh, no. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? So he like storms up and like goes in there and he finds his wife in the backyard covered in a brown beige blanket from the neighbor. I mean, I don't know if he knows it's his wife at first, but I'm sure like he can deduce after a second or two. Yeah. Um, within, within an hour of Kevin arriving, Donald Rogerson, the hunter was arrested for manslaughter and was taken to the Bangor jail because Karen's death was related to a hunting incident. It was the jurisdiction of the game wardens and not the law enforcement, the police officers or Mm. deputies, I guess. Um, According to Kevin, they worked for hours and he was very perturbed because they were putting in so much work. They were like looking intense, they were like going on the ground, they were like scouring mm-hmm. every inch. Like he thought doing a very 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 thorough job. So much so that they like stayed there for days collecting evidence. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um So it wasn't until 9, no, I'm sorry, 7 p.m. when the medical examiner could get to Herman from Augusta, Maine, and even more hours apparently for the hearse to arrive, which I think is very interesting that the coroner, or I'm sorry, the medical examiner doesn't drive a vehicle that transports bodies, but Mm -hmm. I don't know what their policies are there. Uh, Kevin is preoccupied with all of that going on, uh, his dealing with the game wardens, his fucking. Grieving his dead wife um, that the neighbors and rescue workers helped him take care of the twins during that whole night, because I'm sure that was I mean, I'm sure he like was concerned about his daughters. But at the same time, he did not probably did not have the time. So he was probably thankful for that. Um, the next day, Kevin went to Binghampton, New York, where Kev- Karen's body was taken for the mm-hmm. funeral. So literally the day after she died, they're heading to New York. Okay. So the, war- the warden in charge of the investigation was Gary Sargent, and he assured Kevin they would keep gathering evidence and get everything that they needed for their investigation. And that happened, like I said, through the next several days. They took extensive measurements, photographs, videotapes, and even um, pictures from like the air. I don't think they had drones in 1988, but they okay. did something. Um, they even had cut down the tree where Karen had stood beside while she was shot and like took away the trunk which had the bullet lodged in it so it went through her i mean i I don't see obviously it did it was a very high caliber high speed rifle Mm um so i thought that was interesting they took the whole fucking tree um (laughs) while kevin was gone he tried not to read any newspapers or anything covering what happened to karen he just wanted to mourn spend time with his family and just deal with it um so three weeks after the shooting he returned to bangor from new york where he had stayed with his parents following the funeral he left the twins in the care of the four grandparents that were there uh, until he felt sold enough to bring them back into the house Um, eventually kevin did turn to the news and was absolutely flabbergasted at what he found more than one Front front page story was featured of tearful apologies from the hunter, Donald, who it was headlined was a scoutmaster in Bangor, quote, a most wonderful kind of person, end quote. So that's good. Uh one report opened by setting the scene at the supermarket where Donald is the produce manager. It described customers lining up to shake the hunter's hand and make offers of prayers and support as if he were somehow the victim. Uh, taking advantage of Kevin's silence, Donald had talked and graphic details of his experience emerged. He stated, quote, I almost fainted when I came up on her. I messed my pants, end quote. So I guess he shit himself which is very manly. I'm glad he's telling everybody about this. Um, All of that going on, the only thing that Kevin could really find about Karen were write-ups, which had been just a few details about Kevin or Karen, nothing about the funeral, and only a very brief obituary about her. The focus was on Donald. Um, What didn't emerge were the details that matters, such as what he was shooting at, how long he had been in the woods, how many shots were fired, whether or not there was deer seen nearby. So very important factors, I think, when it comes to hunting. Um, what Donald did say over and over again was how sorry he was to almost anyone who would listen, which got him a lot of sympathy, as you can tell from the newspapers, but he didn't know, he's claiming that he didn't know how close he was to the houses. He thought he was shooting a deer. Um, this was when public opinions start to kind of go crazy. Many people wondered why she would wear white uh, gloves instead of orange in general knowing that it was hunting season uh, others thought that she should have researched the area more since she wasn't native to Maine and that's why she died because she should have known better than to travel out in not wearing orange in the middle of November um apparently also people from Maine understand the wilderness areas better so they would know like where to go and where not to go i don't know it was her fucking backyard anyways um, you
1: shouldn't have to do that in your own backyard
0: no um let's just keep going though for the sake of funsies uh others stated that she didn't know enough to not keep out of trouble um essentially it seemed that a lot of the public mainly the hunting populations or the hunting rings uh were blaming karen for her own deal Basically, meanwhile, the non hunters were obviously arguing the latter, stating that hunters have to stay X amount of fee from residential areas, mm-hmm. which Donald wasn't, obviously. Um, if he was from the area, like he said, like he was from Bangor. He was in the, the circles there and stuff like that. Like he should know this area better, especially if you're a hunter. Mm-hmm. I think if you're hunting, you would like look at a map of the area and be like, okay, this is what I've got planned for the day. I'm going to go over here. And like if there's deer spotted over there, I'm going to keep going that way. Yeah. If I don't see deer, I'll go the other way. I don't know. Um. Also, the point that he was hunting for, like on his hunting license or whatever. I don't know how they found this out, but it said that he was hunting for bucks, not doe. So when he was hunting, he should have been looking for a rack on the head versus the white fluffy tail yep. that he was claiming that he saw. Hmm. Um on and on and on. However, it was the task of the grand jury to determine on the basis of that evidence, not whether Donald was guilty of the crime of manslaughter, but merely whether he, there was a sufficient case to bring that there had been a crime committed. So they had to determine that he committed a crime before they could convict him of manslaughter, basically. Uh, manslaughter is defined, I think, in the state of Maine as causing death through conduct that is either criminally reckless or criminally negligent. To fail to be aware of the risk or to disregard the risk that your conduct could cause death, which I think fits to a T as to exactly what Donald did 1,000%. because criminally negligent, you're negligent to the fact that you are... Whatever, we'll go into this even more. Well,
1: the one of the... There's rules to firearms and one of those is be certain of your target and beyond yeah don't shoot towards houses
0: yeah that's the biggest thing is like what don't, if that caliber had gone through her house and hit her kid
1: Yeah. oh it that is. shit happens all the time
0: totally Um, so under main law proceedings of the grand jury are secret and the identity, even the numbers of members of the grand jury are concealed. So what was presented in that session may never be known, obviously. Uh, whatever it was, the grand jury decided not to indict, uh, Donald for manslaughter in the shooting death of Karen Wood. This is when, um, Assistant Attorney General Jeffrey Helm had to say, uh, to Kevin that afternoon, obviously... Kevin got this information from Jeffrey and was just absolutely like, what? Yep. You're kidding. I'm sure. He got up and walked out of the office without saying a word to Jeffrey and drove home to Binghampton, where he stayed for several months. He didn't even return back to Herman for a very long time. He eventually, Kevin, did file a wrongful death, death suit against Donald And that's where Kevin started his own investigation, along with the help of a neighbor named Tim Rogers, which was one of their first friends when moving to Herman. Mm -hmm. Um, The day following the shooting, so we're going to back up to when Kevin left to go to his wife's funeral. And this is where Tim gathers a lot of his evidence just by being around. Uh, He actually stayed at the Woods home and watched the wardens mark the spots, measure distances, do all that nonsense that they were doing to just... It seeming seems like not do anything. Anyways, um, so he watched them and remembered for that. Like I said, this is the only access that they have any information to the death of Karen, because everything else, Kevin's never gotten access to any of the reports. Mm-hmm. None of none of the evidence. He like. We'll go into a little bit later about how he, like, gets a hold of one of the autopsies. It's just so fucked up that that's, like, that's the information he can get, but he can't get the evidence of everything else. Um, So, it's fine. Here, I'm going to talk about it. Kevin was denied access to any of the evidence compiled by the wardens. In fact, so few details were even released following the investigation that Kevin forced himself to read the autopsy. And he was God. kind of, yeah, he was really f- taken back by it. He stated, quote, "I hated the fact that other people knew something about Karen that I didn't end quote, which I can imagine like
1: mm-hmm.
0: feeling that way, especially somebody that you had been together since high school, like mm-hmm. you, you know everything about that person. So, they were running through everything that they had. Tim and Kevin made their own deductions. Tim reflects on the days that he was watching the game wardens and remembers that Donald's car, the truck, was parked only a short distance from the woods home. Kevin and Tim estimated that it was less than the legal 300 feet limit from the neighbor's house, which led them to believe that Donald was hunting illegally, something that game wardens didn't seem to really look into. Um, The months following the shooting, Kevin returned to Bangor only a couple of times, briefly to check on the house, which was left basically frozen in time. Mm -hmm. They didn't move any of the furniture, nothing. Um, In late May, a settlement was reached of $122,000 that went to Kevin and the twins from Donald because they were awarded that Mm -hmm. wrongful death suit based on the information that they gave. like His vehicle was parked within our neighborhood, which stated that he was not... legally hunting he knew that he was near homes and he just accidentally shoots somebody like regardless of wearing orange you shouldn't have to wear orange if you're on your own backyard Mm -hmm. because you should feel the safety of the laws of hunting to not go into your own backyard yeah that's why they're in place so that you don't get accidentally it's just so fucking dumb seeing white gloves in a scope white gloves that looks like a deer tail to you like i get that he was only let me see he was only like 63 yards away. That's like even using a scope. That's not even like I can't even imagine how clear that would be. You know what I mean? I don't know. <sighs> it's pretty frustrating. Um, so Kevin called the settlement a pentance. uh, Pittance? He called it bullshit, um, but okay. claims he needed to be realistic with it. He said, quote, no amount of money could bring Karen back. The man has a limited net worth. You can't get blood out of a stone, mm-hmm. end quote. So it's kind of like, basically, he just wanted to say, hey, you killed my wife, and I hope you fucking know that you yeah. killed my wife.
1: I hope you know I know.
0: Yeah. he you fucked up. Also, Kevin has never once seen Donald in person. Wow. Yeah. He refuses to see him. So I don't know how they did the courtroom thing. Or maybe they did like the, the chess game, put up a partition. Yeah. Because he did not want... I He would probably kill the man. Mm-hmm. Like beat the shit out of him or something, yep. honestly. Yep. Um, so Kevin also made the decision to move back to Iowa where they still had close friends. Um, and they he just wanted to remember Karen. And that's where he felt the closest to her, I guess. Wow. On Kevin's desk... Um, I don't know when this was. I feel like it was pretty close after her death because it's from the uh, assistant district attorney, Jeffrey. Uh, This is kind of out of my timeline, so I apologize. But he basically reassured Kevin that their case was still open and it will remain so for five years with the... The manslaughter charge, even Mm -hmm. though the grand jury said, no, we're not going to indict them. I think that the assistant district attorney was saying, hey, if any new evidence emerges, there could still be an indictment. It's not like taking him to court and like convicting him in front of a judge and jury somehow. It's not like a double jeopardy thing, I guess, which I don't understand.
1: No, because the indictment, the the point of that is just a grand jury comes together. Here's what they have and says... We think that you have probable cause. Oh, so they or said that we there think were... that you don't. It's just like in, in the JonBenet Ramsey, they voted to indict and the DA said nah. Yeah. So it's not a it's just basically giving the DA kind of like a, a temperature gauge of like where people were at and what they thought. Um, Here's
0: the thing, though, is like I feel like Maine is a very especially that area. I don't know where they picked their grand jury. Obviously, that was super secretive. But, mm-hmm. like, if they're picking from the general area, they're all going to have, like, the same opinions, especially when it comes to hunting. Yeah. So, I feel like that might have been the main
1: yeah.
0: belief is them being, like, well, she should have known better and she should have worn orange.
1: That's absurd to me.
0: Yeah. That's, like, us, he like... He should have
1: known better and not hunted there.
0: Yeah. Literally. Like, go so, anywhere else, yeah, dude. Yeah. Maine's big. Yeah. Compared to, like other states in that
1: area
0: mm-hmm. uh anyways garbage literally so kevin held hopes that there would someday be a trial except for five years past and it didn't um so it pissed him off that donald was still out there he was able to still go out in the woods with a loaded gun and it pissed him off that donald knows no there was no consequences for his actions especially with what we've told you about of like
1: mm-hmm.
0: i always talk about myself in the plural is that like some like gender identity? Do I, I, I need to like really delve into? This? I don't think so. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> the, especially with like thinking about like illegal hunting. Yeah. Period. That's the first thing that.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> let's look into the the illegal hunting and being too close to the residences. Also, like willingly choosing to be close to the residences.
1: That's the thing. Is like regardless of his purpose or intent or his like lack of forethought, he was too close. Yeah. And that is against the law.
0: Yeah. Um so Oh yeah. So according to uh WAB I five or one of five? I think it's I five. It's like a news website in like the mm-hmm. main area. Uh Donald was eventually acquitted of the charges. So absolutely nothing happened to him. Wow. Yeah. I think that this happened in February of 1990. I got confused because my main source the um the newengland.com website mm-hmm. it said last year. But that was like and I looked at the date that the article was posted which was like the January 5th of 2022. No, yeah, no. And I was like that's not true because my victimology class was like 3 months ago. So I don't know if it was right. just like last edited then And then they just changed the date in general. I couldn't find the original date that it was posted. So I think it happened in February of 1990, but don't quote me. It was definitely not in the 2000s. Late
1: 80s, early 90s. Yeah.
0: Tim was a panelist. The neighbor was a panelist on a TV talk show to present Kevin's point of view about Karen's death, the controversy, and the basically it was still a hot topic in the area about like who who was wrong Mm -hmm. um tim was stung by the tone of many of those who had called in like i guess they like let anonymous people like call in which is the worst thing you could do because everyone's brave behind a fucking phone Mm -hmm. um and one of them referred to karen's stupidity and she presented herself basically as a target like she basically this is where victimology goes into it and like victims uh victim blaming is a huge thing it's like she's basically asking for it by wearing those white gloves like I would never have thought that white gloves would mean that I was a deer that was going to get shot. So
1: Definitely not how that works.
0: No. Um, So Tim's from Georgia and he lived in Bangor for only a few years and he likes it and he wants to stay. But these uh, like attitudes that came up like gave him like some like reconsideration. He's like all of these people are like blaming somebody because she's not native to the area and he's like well i'm not native to the area and i've never done that so like do i deserve to be shot you know it's like kind of like that kind of mentality um he also states quote i don't want to believe that because that means i don't get the same protection under the law that mainers get which is i guess what people from maine get called mainers
1: um
0: i want to believe that my rights would be as well as respected as natives end quote yeah yeah so that's, that's another point of view that he was bringing onto to mm-hmm. it um, after karen's shooting a bill was brought before the state legislator to increase the legal hunting distance from a dwelling to uh, like up 200 yards so making it 500 yards of a distance um I just
1: don't see how they didn't charge him if he was less than 100 yards from the place. And the requirement was 300, did you say? Yeah. Bing, bang, boom. That's it. Literally. Regardless of if he meant to or not, doesn't fucking matter because somebody died. So you're going to get charged with that and then we're going to plop on some manslaughter. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know what? I'm sorry. 300. The legal limit was 300 feet.
1: That's like 100 yards.
0: Yeah, so he was still less than that, yeah. regardless. So they wanted to up that um, to 200 yards. That seems right. Sorry, my feet and yards Yaga. are getting confused. No worries. Um, either way, a died in committee, so it didn't get passed.
1: Oh my God. That's <laughs> uh, ridiculous.
0: I know. The Bangor, How does that
1: not get passed?
0: I don't know. What's the downside? Because people think that it was her fault. They think that they shouldn't have to up the yardage because she's the one that...
1: Listen up, everyone. Hunting's not that fucking big of a deal.
0: Apparently, it's get like fucked. Owning guns.
1: Go somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I guarantee you it wouldn't Don't go have been
1: near a neighborhood. God, I know. Shit drives uh, me
0: nuts. So the Bangor City Council enlarged the zone in which no firearm may be discharged, except for the protection of livestock. So that at least got passed. But the neighboring town of Hampton uh, passed an ordinance limiting the discharge of firearms within the town. So that's also a good thing. Nothing in uh Herman where this actually happened, but uh, of course not. They were discussing it, August of 1990. I couldn't find anything that showed that it passed, though. So mm. that's cool. There is a fun book that's published in Yankee in November of 1989, only a year after she died, and it's called *The Killing of Karen Wood*, which is obviously way more in depth about what happened to her and. Probably gives you a lot more reasons as to why Donald should have been charged. Yeah, yeah, man. I know there was some like there was a lot of talking about Kevin's life after um Karen died, but I didn't really want to go into that. Really wanted to focus on the outright injustice mm-hmm. that she got for her death. So,
1: damn, big bummer. Big bummer.
0: I feel bad. Fuck,
1: man. Good yeah. story though. Thanks. Good way to bring awareness to bullshit.
0: It's just, I understand, I mean, I don't understand hunting. I couldn't do it myself, but I know people that do, and I just...
1: I don't understand why you would want to um, put yourself in a place where you could do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's all kinds of places to hunt, and you know, you don't absolutely have to do it right there where you know that you could... Like, can you imagine being so having so much hubris that you think that you can like get off that shot without hitting a house hitting a car hitting a human
0: yeah it's also interesting to me because personally i would think hunting i would want to be as far away from residential areas as possible because deer are more scared of that kind of stuff yeah I mean, I don't know. We've been to Essence Park and the Stanley Hotel, and there's like fucking elk there all the time. They just but that's because tourists just feed the shit out of them. But mm. also, that doesn't mean that you can just walk right up to the Stanley Hotel and shoot an elk. Yeah. <laughs> just because it's there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> does not mean that.
0: No. God, that's nuts. Yeah.
1: Wow. Good story.
0: Thank you. That's it. Sorry <sighs> to make people sad. I don't like making people sad, <laughs> but we have to because you like it, apparently.
1: Um. Fuck. Ooh. Are you I good? Don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about I don't that. Know. Yeah, I feel like Forrest Gump. That's all I got to say about that. Oh, okay. Um. Sammy has been reading a lot of books and I've been yeah. reading a lot of books. Yeah. So tell us what you think about books you're reading right now. 2022, yeah. the year of the book.
0: The book. I was talking to Jack earlier. I think uh, I might do some TikToks about the books that I've read this month because I've read a lot. I think it's because I've, I've like had. Eight, right? Yeah. Damn. I have a lot of time at work. I'm only taking one class this semester, so I have a lot more downtime than I usually do. Mm-hmm. So I've been reading a lot at work. And then I, anytime I play video games, I just listen. Yeah,
1: that's what I was doing. I'm huge reading Carrie killer. for the first time, yeah. and I love it. Yeah, it's really, really good.
0: So. Jack's surprised that it's Stephen King's first novel. Is there any Shot. weird sex stuff in it?
1: A uh, like one or two. <laughs> just uh, the reason is because he's writing about a teenage girl. Oh, is
0: he talking about her period?
1: puberty and like learning about her body and it's like from a gross man's perspective (laughs) so you can imagine how that was written but not it wasn't the normal amount of
0: weird weird
1: sex stuff that he talks about so
0: yeah he definitely went into his own niche for that it's one of my least favorite things about reading Stephen King's like the weird sex stuff you really
1: gotta be like you gotta look past that to be able to read his shit yeah or skip forward yeah
0: Anything because it does yeah. not help the story. No, never does. Never does. um I also wanted to say Jack brought up that we might do a TikTok.
1: Like well, have a TikTok account for the podcast. For the
0: podcast. would be pretty cool. Yeah.
1: I got the idea from Carter's Condensed History, a very cool podcast that just started last year that I started listening to because I saw his badass TikToks. Yeah. They're really cool, and this podcast is really cool. So, yeah, check them out.
0: It reminds me we have to record a bonus for our patrons. Yep, two of them. Yep, oopsies. Yep, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. It's fine. I feel like it's my fault. I'm like here reading all these books, and I'm like, let's not record <laughs> about our bonus episodes. <laughs>
1: so sorry, but we have some good ones coming up because we saw Scream. The new one. Yes. We're gonna talk about that, and then yeah. we, what else did we watch the other we
0: day? We watched a whole bunch of like really shitty movies on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, we watched. It's a
1: so shitty. I liked a couple of them, but whatever.
0: I liked a couple of them too. I can't remember what they're called right now.
1: Lazarus Effect. Oh yeah, hit. we did I watch think we that one. We should
0: talk about. Yeah. Uh, we watched Room Two Thirty Seven. Yeah. We can talk about that.
1: Yeah. Stanley hated it.
0: I had to stop it. I could. She doesn't know I, was... I
1: rented it. I oh. literally paid money for it
0: babe it's
1: on your amazon account so <laughs> you paid money for it
0: you bought that stupid documentary i rented
1: it for four dollars what it was
0: even like two dollars it was a four? Oh was really my good. god it was good that it was good yeah well i guess you guys are just gonna have to wait and see what our debates are <laughs> about that movie because i don't agree with that sentiment right there
1: fine you want to go paint
0: no i don't (laughs) (laughs)
1: okay um you can find us on instagram if you just look up who knew podcast i think i do this every week i think i didn't do it last week ah well um you can also email us at who knew podcast 666 at gmail.com tell us your books and you can find us on patreon so sick that is that
0: rat-a-tat-tat okay goodbye goodbye